today on CityCast Chicago. It's a new month, but before we say goodbye to September and throw ourselves in the spooky season, let's first look back on the last week of news. Joining me to do so from Injustice Watch, the one and only Charles Preston, and WTTW political aficionado Heather Sharon. It's Friday, October 1st. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Between the two of you, y'all are probably like 30% of the Chicago Twitter feed. That's terrible. <laughs> How so? Come on, jump into that with me. Why? Because because sometimes, you know, one day I'm like very super involved in like what's going on in Chicago and what's going on locally. And then five minutes later, I want Peach Cobbler. And I feel like <laughs> tweeting about like I want Peach Cobbler. <laughs> so it's very like random. Joining me on the show today to break down a couple of stories from this week is Heather Sharon from WTTW and Charles Preston from Injustice Watch. I appreciate y'all joining CityCast Chicago. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. One thing we've been talking a lot about on the show is name changes. Because in Chicago, we, you know, changing the name of roads, often parks, neighborhoods. And so it got me wondering, and I wanted to ask both of y'all, if you could change anything in Chicago, you could change the name of anything in Chicago, what would it be and what would you change its name to? Heather, if you could change the name of any one thing in Chicago, what would it be? I mean, it's got to be Balboa Drive, right? Named after a literal Italian fascist. I mean, like, I, it's a gimme, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like, is that controversial? Okay. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm right there with you. We we got the name of a bunch of, again, thinking about random, probably false statistics. At least 40% of roads across this nation have to just be named after terrible Slave people. masters, just, ter- just yep. people, you know. Slave just, masters, know. fascists. I don't, I don't care what you're giving it to. What would you change uh, the name of the road to? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Obama Drive is probably the easy one, right? People don't remember that, you know, back when Rom was first in office, he tried to change Stony Island to Bishop Brazier Drive, and he got a lot of pushback on that. And so, you know, people have, you know, a lot of feelings about you know names and and actually I'm I'm pretty sure that city law prevents names from being from roads from being renamed for live people like I think you have to be dead I think a lot of the lesser known sort of women that have helped shape Chicago like Jane Adams is the is the easy one um but there's also Lucy Parsons I, I did think it was interesting that we heard Governor Pritzker at the opening of the Obama Center say that, that Illinois is now the land of not just Lincoln, but the land of Lincoln and Obama. Charles, if you could change the name of one thing in Chicago, what would it be? Same note as, you know, getting rid of, you know, white supremacist slave masters, so um, fascist, babo, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with that. I'm even with the Washingtons <laughs> and presidents. Um, and I would, I think there's two ways to go about it. So, like, going back to Heather's... Uh, comments it's like yeah like i do have a problem with the deification of individuals right and so like i have no problem driving down ficus drive like you know like if we could just name it after a tree you know fern street or like you know something like that's fine with me so we can go that direction i'm all about going down butter butterfly avenue it's nothing wrong with that nothing i love hippos hippopotamus boulevard like (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, uh, Hazel Johnson deserves the street. She's the mother of environmental justice here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, trained like Barack Obama in organizing and whatnot. I think Fred Hampton deserves the street. That's controversial, of course. Living, I would say, even like Michael Jordan, like anybody but, you know, slave master, you know, <laughs> just I love to keep it as local as possible. Honestly, I thought about it super lighthearted. I was like, man, I bet they're going to try and change the name of like a sandwich because nobody want to eat a motherfucking gym shoe. <laughs> I appreciate that both of y'all was like, nah, this is an opportunity to talk about Chicago's problematic history with public monuments and street names. Like, so let's jump right into this. Uh, and Charles, I'm going to kick it off with you. What's the story that you've been following this week? The Obama Presidential Center. Um, it's opening in Woodline. Um, a lot of fanfare, but there's also a lot of, you know, um, dissent and contention with it. Mm-hmm. And it is a big deal. It's, it's a presidential center. It's sure to bring tourism. It's sure to bring jobs. It's sure to bring a lot of commerce in that area, Hyde Park and Woodlawn. But, you know, I think what often lead, like, even with, with presidential centers and libraries in general, what tends to get left out of the equation is those people who resisted, you know, such from opening mm-hmm. and their reasons why. And I think we have to, like, focus on the reasons why. And so when I think about the Obama CBA, the Coalition for a Community um, Benefits Agreement, and also parks, uh, the park organizations who were basically saying, y'all are getting rid of our trees and replacing them with concrete. <laughs> like, yep. And me. Jackson Park is known to have like these historic and beautiful trees and whatnot that are now just like gone, right? And so this is a big deal. You know, they got this land for, what, $10 on a 99-year lease from Rahm Emanuel, <laughs> uh, and, and, which blows my mind. You said, can I buy Soldier Field? He was like, can I buy Soldier Field for like can, $6? Like, can I get Soldier Field for $10? Like, who, like $10? Like, yeah. wow. Like For sure, this groundbreaking was about five years in the making as multiple lawsuits have been brought out about, again, the protection of parklands. People want to know simple things like what's going to happen with the nearby basketball courts all the way up to protecting the residents in South Shore, High Park, Woodline, those nearby communities where we know how this goes, despite it being a presidential center meant to be in honor of black folks in the black community in Chicago. We know what happens when major institutions like this go up in neighborhoods and, and how that pushes people out. You know, it ain't a Starbucks sitting on 71st or Stony for no reason. Heather, I know you, you mentioned Obama uh, Presidential Center earlier. What were your thoughts watching it? So the rubber is really going to meet the road here because, you know, under Mayor Rahm Emanuel, the city really resisted and the former president resisted, I should be clear, in signing a community benefits agreement that would have put protections in place five years ago um, to protect people in Woodlawn from being displaced and to increase the share of affordable housing. So under Mayor Lightfoot, there is now an agreement in place that you know, earmarks, you know, $500 million for affordable housing with other provisions. So really the question is, are those provisions going to be enough from preventing what a lot of people see as, like you said, the, the, all the inescapable, you know, conclusion that, that black working class people will be forced out of Woodlawn and white, white 
wealthy Chicagoans will move in. And I think that's very much an open question. And, you know, it will, there, there's no, no way in which the Obama Center makes Chicago's affordable housing shortfall better. It, it's going to be another pressure point on that. What we heard the former president and the former first lady say that they want to see this center as, as a way to sort of bring investment that has been sorely lacking in Jackson Park and the South Side back to the South Side to make it a destination. Will that effort come at an expense of the people who have stayed there over the past decades and coped with sort of the the the, the results of that disinvestment you know will they benefit from that new mm-hmm. investment and I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question I want to talk about some stories that maybe deserve even more attention as we you know all talked about this groundbreaking um Heather was there a story that you were following this week that you thought just like more people needed to be focused on this so um I got sort of a counterintuitive answer here. So I don't think enough people have been paying attention to the city budget. Now you're going to say, Heather, what's up? It's been all over the, you know, it's been all (laughs) over the the news. But um, I think that as I always tell people, it's more than math. It's, it's, it's a statement of our values as a city and you spend money as a person on what you value the exact same thing for the city. And I had really expected this budget fight to shape up between Mayor Lightfoot on one side saying, we've got to use this federal relief money that is coming to the city from the federal government from COVID to make sure that the city is on a firm financial position. So that means we've got to use most of it to fill in budget shortfalls left over from 2020, 2021, and 2022. On the other hand, progressive aldermen were sort of gearing up to say, no, 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 we want to use that money to provide direct aid to Chicagoans who are still struggling to pay their rent, business people who are struggling to you know, recover from the shutdown order. Um, and we want to address sort of those fundamental root causes of poverty and crime in a way that we haven't really been able to in the past. And I expected that debate to sort of be what it was. But instead, Mayor Lightfoot said, let's do both. And she's doing both by essentially borrowing an, an, an extra $600 million over the next year. So she's going to take the $1.9 billion that the city is going to get from the federal government and about 70% of that, about $1.3 billion, she's gonna use to fill in budget gaps over the last three fiscal years. The rest of that plus $660 million in borrowing is really going toward priorities that we've heard from progressive groups and progressive aldermen for decades. Um, More services for unhoused Chicagoans, more services for affordable housing, more services for mental health and to prevent domestic violence. I really, I can't, you know, say stronger what a huge gamble that is because the city is going to have to pay back that money. There's no there's no guarantee that tax revenues will rise to cover those costs. I appreciate you kind of nose diving right into the numbers with us. Coming into the budget, the mayor had a $733 million budget shortfall. There were calls to invest in things like you said, homelessness, mental health, violence prevention. But important, the the important one of the important notes you made in that is like a budget is a expression of your values and, and what the city feels is important in a 16 billion dollar budget they say a 200 million dollar increase for the police to 1.9 billion dollars is how much we value police as the 
uh, overall public safety uh, protocol. And with all of that being gambled, the one thing that we know will continue to sustain after 2022 and into 2023 is that police budget. While all of these other progressive initiatives could be looking at, you know, kind of quick in and out toe dips of investment. Charles, I, I, I was following you throughout the weekend. You dived into that budget document as well. Your thoughts? I hate, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 and now I'm using this term, the, the Chicago way, I guess. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's how mayors have been, you know, we, we talk about uh, budgets being moral documents. Like they, they are an expression of values and Chicago mayors have had like, you know, police funding, Chicago police gotta make sure public safety is number one and everything comes um, next. And I just think the pandemic basically gave us an avenue to like really reevaluate how government spends its money. And a lot of these progressive uh, ideas that have uh, kind of like mainstream, every time I log on Twitter, it's abolished or defund something. And that may be in my sphere, but like, I think that type of language and that recognition of, of, of failure of cities and states um, is kind of at a mainstream point right now. And so now it's time for people to actually say like, yo, like this is what I want to see in the budget and to organize around it and try to deliver a consequence if, that, if they don't see what they want to see. But that's the only way we are going to get changed because we weren't talking about like mental health uh, so much when Ron was doing budgets and whatnot. What well, wasn't the mainstream conversation? Yeah, I would just, I would push back on that just a little bit because really the police budget is flat this year. There's no huge increase. The $200 million is really retro, is really pay increases that the police officers hadn't gotten over the past four years because they've been working without a contract. And they were working without a contract because the Fraternal Order of Police refused to agree to reforms demanded by the mayor about how officers accused of misconduct or you know found responsible for misconduct are, are held accountable. So, so the, the tension over public safety in Chicago, I think, is, is really complicated because on one hand, you have progressives pushing for alternative sort of ways of thinking about public safety. And then you have people saying, um, but our police department is sort of under this huge pressure of a lot of vacancies and sort of not a lot of retirements. Let's not forget the department is under a federal court order that requires them to reform and they've missed 40% of those deadlines. So is this contract going to make a huge difference? You know, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I got the 20, I got the budget overview open on my computer and I'm at, I resided to the point of after reading through it, like control F. I'm looking for such as control F. What am I looking for right now? Um, every week, every episode, I like to lead the people with a little bit of good news, right? And it's not just a little bit. It's some good news to get the people through the weekend, right? And it's October 1st, and Charles, borrowing from you uh, something you say every month, right? Rent is due. Be nice to people. Uh, Charles, you got a moment of joy or some good news to, to send the people into the weekend? Semicolon Bookstore is expanding. It's um, opening up on Saturday. I think Black Club Chicago covered this. Yeah, a Black-owned bookstore. And the fact that a bookstore is expanding yeah. in the midst of a <laughs> pandemic, like kind of like, you know, it warms my heart. And so it's located in Wicker Park. One of my friends has a mural in the store and painted the mural. His name is uh, Dave Ellis. So definitely... 
go check out Semicolon Bookstore on Saturday. Yeah, I love Semicolon. They opened up in 2019. Uh, the new store is over on 1714 West Division. Uh, so, yeah, Semicolon opening up this Saturday. Hopefully that means they emails and they fall open up because I, mean, I, I, I can't wait to talk to them. Uh, Heather, uh, I know you're going to – I hope you stop by and grab you some books uh, once they open up. You got some good news for the people as well? I do. Um, so, you know, it's been a really tough couple of months in terms of the pandemic in Chicago with the Delta variant. And there's good news on that front. Um, cases are dropping. The city is averaging fewer than 400 new confirmed cases of COVID-19 per day. I don't want to make it seem like, it, you know, we're through this, but um, it is not as bad as people had feared. And I think that that is something that people can sort of go into October, feel good about, but know that the second wave of the pandemic hit just about mid-October last year as people headed indoor because we know the weather is about to get cold and not great. So a little bit of good news um, as we sort of go into the real fall, as I like to say, in Chicago. I wanted to ask you, you know, We've seen an ebb and flow with this. Like every time it feels that things are getting better, right? We reopened for the summer and it was a big fright. How can we continue to promote people like safely engaging as we go back inside? The statistic that I look at, you know, a couple of times a week is the 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 breakdown of deaths by race. And black Chicagoans make up about 30% of the city, give or take. And right now they account for more than half of the deaths that have occurred since vaccines have become widely available. And we also know that black Chicagoans are, are least likely of any racial or ethnic group in Chicago to be vaccinated. So that's pretty clear and compelling evidence that the best thing that people can do is to get vaccinated as, as soon as possible. It's, it's really hard. And it's, you know, hard, I think, for me as a reporter to keep saying, look, you know, it, it, the people who are going to be hurt most badly are the people who can least afford being hurt badly. I really appreciate both of y'all being here so much. For anybody listening, don't take your vaccine news from ball players um, uh, and training camp. Like at best, listen to folks like uh, Injustice Watchers, Charles Preston, and WTTW's Heather Sharon. I appreciate y'all for making time for CityCast Chicago uh, and joining us today. This was so fun. We got to do it again. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you. Before I let you go, I want to give a huge shout out to the folks who make City Cash Chicago possible. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, and newsletter writer and editor Sydney Madden. I got to give a thank you to Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop for all our music. And I say my last appreciation for you. If you're new to City Cash Chicago, remember, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. If you're not new and you still ain't signed up, what you waiting for? I'll talk to y'all on Monday. Peace.